get to come to the word. Get to come to the word this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak from Acts, uh, Acts 15. And you know, like the more the more I preach, there's often just this. There's this real challenge at times in writing sermons. Just to to I don't know if um. After a while, right, I've been a pastor for a while, you gave me a page of scripture, I can probably write a sermon from it, right? I can just t- tell you what it says, and figure it out, I can do the exegesis, you can do the work, I can give you the context, tell you what it means in time. There's just, you can do the ABCs of it and, and write a sermon. And um, I'm often conscious as well, you know that I've been like, here at Brave for probably 10 years, and you've probably heard everything that I have to say, really. Do you know what I mean? You've heard all my stories, you've heard all the bits and pieces, like there's probably, like, I don't know, I know there's fresh revelation that comes or whatever, but, but, um, but also challenged with the potential that's in this moment to have a word that's not just a word, uh, random, but a word, like, you know, we use that phrase, a word in season, something that the Lord had for us in this, in this moment. And um, I was glad, I was glad as I came to writing this week that um, I've had this phrase in me, it's come out a couple of times over the past couple of weeks as I've been praying. Um, you know, we meet as elders to pray on Friday mornings for you. We meet early in the morning before work and we're praying for you guys. And I meet with a group of other pastors to pray for each other and the decisions we're facing. And a few times as I've been praying, this phrase just came out of my mouth. You know, it says in scripture somewhere, I didn't know where it said it, but it says, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit, right? When it came to making these decisions, when it came to that we would have this, this, this ability to be able to say, well, this decision seems good to us and also to, to the Holy Spirit. And so that phrase had been in my head over the past couple of weeks. And on Thursday, we were in the Bible Project, you know, where we're reading a chapter, a chapter a day of the Old Testament, a chapter a day of the New Testament together, being shaped by it. And uh, we're in Acts 15. And, uh, and Acts 15 is where that verse is, where it comes out and says, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And uh, Thursday happened to be the day that I was also writing the sermon. So uh, that's when the writing came up. So it seemed good to me and to the Holy Spirit that I should speak on uh, Acts 15 on that verse. Yeah? Um, see what the Lord would say to us in and, and through it. Um, yeah, so let me pray before we come to it. So Father, we're going to come to your word and, uh, and we recognize it as that, that this is your word. Um, and it would carry the weight. We would give it the honor, the respect, the attention that, that it's due, Lord God, as we, as we delve in it. I pray, Holy Spirit, um, who you said that you would make known all truths to us, that you would come and make it real in our lives and in our hearts, that, uh, that we would know that we've encountered you today, or not just gone through the motions, not just read some scripture and had some thoughts or whatever, but, uh, but the potential is here that we would meet with the living God and we would meet you through your word. So I ask that that would happen, Lord God. Holy Spirit, would you come in this place? Um, would you speak to our hearts, to our minds, to our emotions, to our lives? And would you affect real change in our lives for our good and for your glory? In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, that phrase, that phrase, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know, in my life, I would love to be able to just say that. Place decisions, large, small, uh, just throughout life. Like to be able to say like that, that that where we're at right now, whatever decisions you're making in regards to like relationships, jobs, families, careers, those kind of things, the big things and the incidental things, the day after day, to know what would it be like to have the confidence to say that I think this is what God is saying. You know that for, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. So it seems good, good decision to me. But also it's big to be able to say that this also seems like a good, a good decision to God. It speaks of a known of him, a, a, a revelation of his, his heart. To be able to say it, and uh, so I'm going to read from 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 Acts 15, where that scripture appears, um, 
to set the context, right, this passage is like the apex of like this, this argument that's been unfolding for a while, as we've read um, in Acts. So Paul and a group of the guys, and even Peter have been involved in it, but they've been out preaching. Paul is in a place called Antioch, which is in Turkey. And, and there's a group of Christians there, and, but they don't come from a Jewish background. Up to that point, most of the Christians, the believers, that all of Jesus' disciples were Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish himself. All of the, the early believers had been, had been Jewish. And assumed like this, is a, this, this, this Christianity is a new perspective on our, our Judaism, which it is, right? But then these Gentiles had got saved. Gentiles meaning people who aren't Christian. And the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them. And they're trying to figure out what does the mix look like of this, all these Jewish traditions um, and now these people who aren't Jewish at all who've just, who've just been saved. And so Paul is preaching in Antioch and a group of Christians um, emerge there as they're saved. And then some Jews come from Jerusalem um, and they try and tell the new believers that you need to be circumcised, you need to follow this law or that law of, of Moses. And so the early church are left with trying to figure out how do we, how do, we do this? How do we navigate this? What happens? So Paul travels back to Jerusalem, um, to where Peter and James and some of the other disciples are, where the, the church is established, um, and they travel there to kind of hash it out, to figure out what's going what's to happen. They call it, of course, the Council of Jerusalem, right? The church figuring out what it looks like for these Gentile believers to also be a part of this thing. Um, and so in Acts 15, we have the story of, of what happened there. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it all out, actually. I'm going to read out from verse 7 through to like verse 32 or something, which is a lot of scripture. Um, but uh, I don't want to skip over any of it. And you'll hear me say repeatedly, the word of God is the word of God. My, my voice is trying to add or help explain, explain it maybe, but uh, we want to give it its proper place. And as we listen, towards the end of it, we have that phrase, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. In a big decision, yeah? A decision that affects affects us today as Gentile people who are, who are Christians. Right? So, and they got to this place where they're able to say, this seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen out for the kind of things that happen in the context that can lead to you being able to say that in your own life as you make decisions, right? So, here we go. From verse 7, it said, And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After this finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols 
and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he's read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Verse 22. Then it seemed good. There's that phrase, it seemed good. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, there's that phrase again, having come to one accord, to choose men and to send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We therefore send Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's the verse, verse 28. It has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So, when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after that, they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers, to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Okay, it's the word of the Lord. So, there's a million, a million places we could go from, from this big sway of the scripture. There's lessons about discernment, like making good decisions. There's lessons about managing conflict in church, what it looks like when Christians have different opinions on something. There's lessons on unity, on preferring one another. Lessons on what it looks like to stay true to the essence of the gospel while still tailoring your behavior in ways that reflect your love for the other, submitting to the other, sacrificing of your own rights on behalf of the other. There's lessons on the nature of law and grace. There's historical lessons on how the church is formed and how the Gentiles are added into God's plan um, of salvation. And as we preach or as we look at scripture, I'm always making decisions about where we land or what to preach or what to leave out. And what I feel to focus on this morning amongst all of those things is not necessarily the content of the decision that they made um, or that they had to make at the time, but the process that they engaged in so that we can apply it to our own lives as we make decisions. Um, that leads to the conviction of being able to say, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Imagine being able to have that same kind of of conviction, right? So I'm going to look at different pieces in Scripture. I don't know, Mal, if you'll be able to follow along with me, but if you have your Bibles, you'll, you'll be able to, to pull out the verses. First thing I want to hit on is that uh, it's just the grace thing. It's the gospel, the gospel perspective. I'm so grateful for the gospel of, of grace. And this insight we have into the story of how the, the church, as they wrestled together to understand these, the implications of what had happened, how they were led by the Holy Spirit and how they were informed by what they'd seen happen. So what? Put yourself in their shoes, guys, right? They're living in the immediate aftermath of this Jesus who they'd followed, who'd been crucified, right? They thought everything was lost. And then he was raised from the dead, and he appeared to them, and he talked to them. And before he ascended into heaven, he was like, waiting in, the, waiting in Jerusalem until I said, clothe you with power from 
on high. He goes, sends into heaven to watch him ascend into the clouds and disappear. Like then, forty days later, or so, like they're in they're in uh, Jerusalem, the upper room. Holy Spirit falls. They're filled with boldness. Tongues of fire fill the room. They're sent out into the space. They're speaking different languages. All of a sudden, the people around them are hearing the news of God proclaimed in different languages around the space. And then they start, they move on this journey, they started from Jerusalem, and then they see people outside of the Jewish nation like beginning to be saved. And they see the Holy Spirit being poured out on them in the same way that it was poured out on, on, on the, the, the first believers, them receiving of them. They're, they're just trying to figure out what, what is God, what's he doing here, right? But I love seeing how it's, it's, led, it's led by the Holy Spirit. When Peter gets up to speak about it, he speaks about God has done this, God has done this. You know, I told you God has chosen to pour out his Holy Spirit on the Gentiles. This isn't something that I've chosen. This probably, maybe even, might have been something that he would have chosen if he, could, if he had the choice, right? But, but God, has, God has done this. And so there's this perspective of the big story of God unfolding, that they witnessed this. And the first time, you know, Paul, we probably used to, you read any of Paul's letters, we're going to head into them after we finish in Acts, right? And they're full of this message of how we've been saved by grace through faith, right? That it's nothing that we did. We're going to read through Galatians, we're going to read through Romans, Corinthians, we're going to hit all of those, those passages that, it's like the bedrock of this salvation by grace through faith, yeah? Um, and you would assume that it was Paul who coined that phrase, but the first time we see it mentioned is here in this, in this place in Acts, Acts chapter 15, and it's Peter who says, that we are saved by grace. Verse 11. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Just as they will. And it's that story, right? It's that story of, of grace that causes him to be united. That causes him to extend grace to the other. The grace of God. This, this, this emerging theology. This understanding. This wasn't because of what we deserve. This is because of what Jesus had done. It becomes this this orbit, this central point that, that pulls them in, like that gravity pulls them towards, and it, it forms all of their decisions. The story of the gospel, the grace of God. Peter realizes we were saved, not because we obeyed all of those laws that other people are trying to put onto these new Jewish, these new Gentile Christians. We were actually saved just because of the grace of Jesus. We believed we will be, that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as, just as they were. Saved because of the unmerited, undeserved favour of God who's done everything for us in Jesus from first to last to make us right with God. That's the gospel, yeah? It's not what we add to it. It's not what we bring to the table. It's that he brought everything first to last to rescue us. So we could sing that song could be sung over. I will rescue you that we just heard. We're all in the same boat. And I don't want us to miss the truth here that the gospel, the gospel shapes their decisions. I think if we want to be able to come to a space of saying, when we make decisions in our lives or whatever it is that we're facing, be able to say that it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit. They have to be gospel-informed decisions. Decisions that see ourselves in light of the story that's unfolding in the world. The world will tell you a whole different story about how the world exists, about what the meaning of life is, about what you should pursue and what you should not pursue. But if we want to be in line with the Holy Spirit, we need to surrender to this, this, this truth of this story that unfolds from Genesis to Revelation that we find ourselves in the middle of right now tells the truth of a world created by God out of love, a relationship with us, that it was broken because of sin, but that he's done everything to put it right. And we find ourselves in the middle of that, receiving grace. And there's two things, two ways that it happens. One is that, is that when, we, when we, we can act in terms of grace, but the, the, the way that the church is supposed to be formed, right? We have our, our, our loves up there. It starts with, we are loved by God. See, we don't flow into any of the other things to love the Lord, to love our neighbours, to love one another. 
We don't fall into any time unless we're first loved by God. We don't extend grace, church, unless you've known grace. We don't forgive unless we've been forgiven. It's the, it's, it's the cause and effect of the gospel. This stuff initiates with God and his story, his posture of reaching out towards us. And all we have to do is live in response to that. It's the worshipful response of being exposed to the love of God, of God and love, being exposed to the forgiveness of God. Now all of a sudden the things I have to forgive feels feels tiny. Being exposed to the mercy and the grace of God. And I go out and I practice mercy and I try and reflect his grace to the world. So Peter's then informed by this grace and he, he multiplies it. And in our own lives, I just encourage you, our problems, right? It's one of my favourite worship songs. We sang it at, at our wedding. It's like, when I look into your holiness and I gaze into your loveliness, and here's the line, right? Is when all things that surround me become shadows in the light of you. Right? There's this space, guys, that that happens in worship, it happens in the word, it happens in fellowship and community, it happens wherever God is glorified, that we begin to see our problems and our decisions that we think are this big. But our eyes are lifted up again and we see, we see how big God is. And all those things that surround us just become shadows in this light. Yeah? All of a sudden they're not they're not as big. All of a sudden they're not as hard. All of a sudden they're not as difficult in exposure to like how great, how big, how huge he is. What I really encourage you guys, put yourself in the way of awe, put yourself in the way of wonder, whatever it is you need to do to like get on your knees and be amazed at the, the scope, the majesty, the wonder, the hugeness, the power, the greatness, the sovereignty of the God who loves you, who gave his life for you. All of the rest of the stuff, decisions, where will we live, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we buy, what will we do, what job will I, all of that becomes shadows, becomes shadows in the light. Peter understands himself in that space and he speaks about the grace. And it's like asking, asking yourself as you face decisions, what does grace look like in this? What does it look like to obey Jesus in this? What does it look like to, to live in light of eternity? A lot of decisions, I'm speaking to myself, right? Spend my time just making decisions based on, on today, right? Look, Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but like store up treasures in eternity, living with an eternal perspective. Remembering this story that you're immersed in. That's the first point. That's where they, they come to in this. They're remembering we live in this age of grace, right? So that has to inform what decision we make. And people used to wear those, what would Jesus do? Bracelets. Oh, maybe a bit corny or something. But genius of just a reminder of surrender. What would you do, Lord? What do you do when my boss is freaking out at me? What would you do in response? What do you do? What do you, like, what would you do in, in the world right now? What would you do in my neighbor's lives? What would you do in my family? What, like, just having that reminder in front of us um, and entering into awe of Jesus via, via worship, right? So that's the first point. Remember the big story that you're in. If you're feeling like overwhelmed by the sight of your problems, get into the space where all things that surround you become shadows in the light of him, right? Because he's, he's, he's greater than all of those things. Worship, the word, fellowship, they're all tools. They're all means by which we enter into that revelation, that understanding of who God is, and everything else is seen in the perspective of that, right? The second, the couple, there's a couple of other things that I want to look at. Um, I think even the fact, right, that Paul goes to, to Jerusalem, like, there's, a, there's this lesson around community, around communal discernment, around what it means to be the body of Christ as we live our lives together and making decisions. Paul doesn't just say, he doesn't just write off the guys in Jerusalem, ah, they don't get it, God has revealed to me something else, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my own thing. There's this pursuit 
of unity. There's this pursuit of recognizing that we need one another, that we're one body. And so he leans into the, the controversy. Do you know what I mean? He moves, he moves towards Jerusalem and they go and they speak. And it opens up with, verse 7 says, after much debate. Right? So I'm trying to get us to, I'm trying to get us to the space where where can we say we know this seems good to us in the Holy Spirit, whatever the decision is that you're facing. What they did is they got together and they, they talked about it. After much debate, it was a communal thing that helped them to discern the will of God. It wasn't a one person solo mission, well I'm just going to ask Peter because he seems to be the leader amongst us. Um, it's like after much debate, it says before, the apostles and the elders and the church were together. So the whole like, body discussed this thing, um, which is so compelling to me, right? I know some, in some ways we're shaped in this way that all of you sit there and look at me and I tell you something that maybe you're supposed to believe, right? But, but the way we see it happening in the early church, these guys like got together and after much debate, they, 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 they talked through this stuff, they thrashed it out. What do you think? What do you think? What's your experience? What's God said to you about it? What, what do you believe this means? And they, 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 they talked around it. And as, I think as a church, the lesson for us is that that's what, it, that's what it should look like, even in our own lives, even personally. And I know the world, we live in an individualistic world that just says, you just make your own decision. Yeah? Google it, ask AI what I should do in this situation, like whatever. Um, but the Bible paints a picture of a community that you're saved into a body, saved into a family of people who will love you and walk with you. To the extent that as we figure out what we're meant to do together or what you're meant to do in your life, you're not alone in that. And you're not, you don't just also have the Lord and the, the means by which or one of the ways in which you have the Lord in making those decisions is your brothers and sisters in Christ who will walk with you, who will pray with you, who will give you counsel, who will open your eyes to the bigness of what God is saying. That there's, a, there's a, a necessity to be in relationship with one another. As we think about how we respond to the things that are happening in the world, that we're not just in a vacuum doing that. It's not just you and your, your capacity to Google figuring out what, how, how I understand this, but communally, together, we're supposed to be discerning the will of God, how we'd be shaping us in the midst of the times that we live in. Um, wisdom, I think, guys, I'm coming to believe. And if it could be the other way, I'd like it to be the other way, right? Because I like my own company, right? But wisdom is communally discerned, yeah? It's a, it's a, it's a community thing, that the Holy Spirit is present amongst his church as we discern things. Um, so yeah, there's wisdom in the council of people who love you and a key element of discernment is discussion, is debate. So what do they do? They, they, they talk to one another. So practically speaking, I'd say talk through your decisions with other Christians, with people who love you, who are going to walk with you, care about one another's lives, carry each other's burdens. We're commanded to do that, not just suggested, yeah? Um, we have home churches. Home churches are the perfect space. If you're not in one, please, please, please get in one. So that's the space where there's, there's discussion. That's the space where there's intimacy. That's the space where you get to know each other over a prolonged period of time, can walk with each other and talk with each other, overlap our lives, discuss what we're facing with the awareness that God is present in those situations. God is present as we discuss, as we make decisions. So there's that, right? That idea of the... Um, discussing things with one another. And then we see Peter sharing testimony, right? Just these other these elements. I'm just trying to, trying to help us see the elements that help them get to that place where there's a confidence This we're in the middle of what God wants here. So there's testimony, right? Peter, um, Peter gets up and he shares his story. Back in, in Acts 10, Peter had this revelation of the Gentiles being added, added to the body. Um, and then he shares his testimony. He's like, 
Guys, we've seen it. We've seen it with our own eyes. I've seen it. Like people, the same Holy Spirit who fell on us has fallen on these these Gentiles. We share in the story like of, of God, of what's happening. And then it says they listened to Paul and Barnabas tell the story from Antioch. And they came back with all these stories, I'm sure, of God moving in this space amongst the people who knew nothing of him um, and them coming to know him. Um, and uh, the point of what I'm trying to make is that their experience, right? So Peter's, Paul's, Barnabas, as they shared the stories of what God was doing, it has a key role to play in the discernment of, of the group. Peter draws from his life experience, from what he's seen God doing, and helps under, other people understand the perspective of God. And I think where that hits for me is that for you to know that you have experience that your brothers and sisters need as they go about living this life. And they have experience that you need as you go about it. That there's power in testimony, guys. There's power in the hard-won understanding, the hard-won revelation that you guys have had as you've gone through the darkest of times, as you've gone through the highest of times, as you've persevered in the Lord. That he didn't just do that for you, he did that for others, that your testimony is going to impact who are going to face into the same things that you've, that you've faced. We need to be good at sharing the stories of God. We'd be on, I don't know, we'd be on the elders meeting, like it's Friday mornings, and uh, come in, like the other week came now, it's an early morning meeting, right? It's like waking up earlier to, to do it before we go to work or whatever. And uh, but we'd be sharing stories of what's happened that week in the context of home church or in like life and ministry and whatever. And uh, we were sharing last week, and I was like, yeah, yeah, good, I'm still half asleep. And then it just dawned on me, right? Like, it just hit me. I was to relay the stories to you. They're like every bit as incredible as anything we've read in Acts. Guys, God is on, like, God is on the move. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe we're immune to it, or we're siloed. You know what that means? Like, you're just kind of in a space by yourself, and you can think, well, like, despairing over what's happening in the world. If you took the time to just ask people, what's been happening in their life. If you took the time to seek out the activity of God and listen to what's happening, I'm telling you, you'll be convinced that God is on the move in Dublin, Wicklow, in Ireland, that God is like building for himself a people, that God is, is saving people, that he's reaching out miraculously, that he's healing people. Like all of these things that we say, wouldn't it be great to see that stuff happening nowadays? It's happening nowadays. We're probably just not telling each other about it because maybe of the individualistic culture, we're just like in, in our own space. And I found myself apologizing to the Lord on the prayer meeting the other week because we'd shared all these stories and I was just like, okay, yeah, move on to the next thing. But they're like miraculous. I'm like, wait a minute. If we were just, just based on the evidence of what happens in the space of a week, if you're to share the stories that are going around, it's, in, it's absolutely incredible. God is moving. And how do we discern what the Holy Spirit is doing? See, if, you, if, you, if, if we're just off living life individualistically and we're not sharing those stories, we're not hearing the encouragement, we're not aware of what's going on, we can just be, like, we can just be I don't know, fooled into thinking that God isn't moving or that our prayers are bouncing off like ceilings or that nothing is nothing has happened. And the same happens in your own life as well, right? That you could be, you're growing in the Lord, and I say it repeatedly in people, but it needs somebody else from the outside to look in and see and point out that goodness. Sometimes we don't see the growth that's happening in our own lives or our own biggest critics. Someone else to see the story of God unfolding in your life and say, man, I know you like six months ago, you wouldn't have talked like that. A year ago, you wouldn't have talked like that. Can you see what the Lord is doing in your life? We can be immune to it because we have this incremental growth. Like someone who doesn't see Penny in three or four months and all of a sudden she's a foot taller, right? But you might notice it day after day because you're not, you're not aware of it. You need spaces to share the stories of, of God. And as the church listened, I can just hear them saying, like, I can just see even, if there was anyone even against the idea of the Gentiles even becoming Christians, if there was any kind of like people who were like, 
on the outside of it, or like, well, no, look, we've always had this religion, we've always had this, this truth, it's been revealed to us over thousands of years, it's what sets us apart. Like, you can just see it being broken down as the story is unfolding of, no, look, here's what, yeah, maybe that's the case, right, how it's been, but here is what God is doing. It's undeniable, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on these people, right, by the same grace, they're coming to understand, like, they're being saved. Like, the story of God and what God is doing in the now, I think, has to shape um, our decision, our decision making, um, the way that we go about life. And I know, I know it's difficult in this world. We live in consumeristic, materialistic, individualistic, neoliberal Ireland, right? Which will tell you to live in one certain way, which doesn't involve this kind of communal living and expecting the, the way God is doing. But you're citizens of the, of the kingdom of God, yeah? This might be the space you live in, but your citizenship is, is of heaven. And the third, the third way, just getting towards the end now, right? So you've got this aspect, the big story that they're in. You've got this sharing testimony of what's happening. And then James, James pipes up. And James like, listen to me, brothers, right? He's like, what's happening now? He realizes, he's the first one to realize, he quotes from Amos 9. He's like, he, he quotes this scripture, which was like a prophecy to the Jews, like that, this remnant of David, like that to, to, to be uh, uh, a seeking of the Lord by the Gentiles outside. And James realizes, lads, we're living in this space right now. We're living in what God said was going to happen. So you see, scripture now aligning. So it's not just a sense of what's happening out there. It's not just a big story. But it's like this is lining up with what the Bible tells us is going to happen. Like the people of scripture, the Holy Spirit in that moment brought that scripture. I'm sure that James is going to be like, this is the unfolding of it. We have a backup from, from reading what God has revealed in his word, which is infallible, immutable. Yeah? Like that this 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 thing, this thing uh, informs what uh, what we're going to believe. And so he quotes from it. Again, another voice in the community. We've had testimonies, we've had that a debate amongst people. Now here's the voice of maybe the teacher in the community. Yeah, like what about the word? Well, the word says this. And uh, all of that together, right? Discussion testimony, the gospel, scripture, all lived out in the context of community and enabled by the Holy Spirit leads them to be able to say, I'm convinced, leads them to be able to say that this decision seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. I don't think that it was one, if we took just that verse in isolation, we might think that it was one moment of revelation by some super spiritual person who realized the Holy Spirit is saying this in this minute. But I think what we're seeing happening is People immersed in the rhythms and practices of life that mark them as Christians, living community, debating one another, sharing testimony in scripture together, in the word together. We know they're devoted to prayer together as well, though it's not explicitly mentioned here. Right? We know that's a pattern that they're in. That all of that combined is, is how the Holy Spirit works. He works in the debate and he works in the sharing of testimony and he works in the sharing of the word and makes it come alive. And he works in the fellowship that's, that's committed together. There's this immersion in the story and they're being led by the holy spirit as they engage in these spiritual pursuits so in verse 22 it's like they says it says it seemed good to us apostles and the elders with the whole church right so they're writing to the guys and they're like it seemed good to us the apostles the elders and the whole church so they're speaking of unity they're saying we, we've reached this decision together right and then later verse 25 it says it seemed good to us having come of one accord, right? So I mean, we've come to this conclusion together, this fellowship, we've got, we've got good decision. So it seemed good to us, the apostles, the elders, it seemed good to us, having come of one accord. And then by verse 29, um, or verse 28, they're able to say, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. That all of those things combine for them to be convinced that this is the way that God 
But this is the way that God is leading us. It's a huge thing to be able to say that we believe that as we make decisions they're led by the Holy Spirit. What I feel the Lord would have put on our hearts, or have put on my heart to share with you is immerse yourself in the kind of space that gives you that confidence when you need it to make those decisions. Don't wait until there's a decision to be made and then be like, well now I need to get into the Word, I need to get into Scripture, I need to get into community, I need to get into whatever. Those are the things that we should be committed and devoted to anyway. And as we are then, they come with this solidity that when you face decisions, you don't have to back off because of fear. You don't have to back off because of, I don't know, indecisiveness, you know. Or even sometimes a holy veneer on it of, well, I'm not going to make a decision on this because I'm waiting on God. But really that language of waiting on God is just an illusion for our own fear. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to just pray about it some more and then you don't pray about it anymore. Like, just that, that excuse stuff. What would it look like, guys, to be part of, of a community like this, church like this, the body like this, where their lives are overlapped, like you've seen in Acts 2, where they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, where they're together, where their lives are like orbiting around those things, those things they're committed to, so that in the end they're able to be able to say with confidence that I'm walking in line with the Holy Spirit. I, uh, that's what we want. That's why you'll hear me preaching again or saying again and again, Holy Spirit, come. It's that way. And it's not just Holy Spirit come in this moment. I mean, Holy Spirit come in the determination for me to pursue community, fellowship, the word, testimony on Monday morning and Monday afternoon and Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning for me to be, open my life to be connected with other people, for me to be obedient to that. You know, when I became an elder, I became an elder of the church at 23, right? A young elder, which is like a contradiction in terms. Anyway, right? Well, I was only 23, and probably because he knew I would need it, my dad gave me this Bible verse, where it's from Proverbs 3.6. He's like, like, Rob, just remember this, and you won't go far wrong. He's like, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Right? And it's, it's stead with me, right? It's like, trust in the Lord. The tendency to rely on my own understanding, scrap that. Um, and for a long while, that would be an individualistic pursuit of me, right? Well, just if I just make sure I, I align my decisions with it. But where it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Or another way is translation, in all your ways, submit to him. I mean, it's me submitting to the ways of God. And the ways of God are those kind of things. Fellowship, being in the word together, communal decision. Like these things that rally against what the world is going to say. Individualistic, you, you do you. Come to this space, hear what you hear in Sunday morning. Then you go and apply it to your life in isolation. Instead, he calls us into community to love in one another, that we be known by our love for one another. And I know it's costly, and I know there's a world that shouts the opposite at us. And it's like, but again and again, I know I feel, I feel like a broken record, right? But I just need to just keep repeating it again and again. God has called you, to, called you and I to live as one body. To live, like that's the analogy. To be together. To not just now, well, Rob said something good, now I have, have a way to discern what my job prospects are or should I go into this relationship or end this relationship or, or whatever but instead hear me saying what I'm trying to say is we should be immersed in the kind of practices that these guys were immersed in out of response to what God has done for us and in that way then we can be convinced or we can, we can have the voice um, of other people we can have the I don't know the communal understanding I'm convinced you've heard me say it before and again broken record we're unconvinced the reason why the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people as he determines is so that you need one another don't give them, to, don't give them all to Sean so that Sean only needs Sean you give some gift to Sean you give another gift to Rob so Rob needs Sean and Sean needs, needs Rob it's like in everything in everything you read in scripture you just see 
this, this, this desire of God to connect us together, that we'd be able to, to walk in that, that those rhythms and relationships are formative in our, in our lives and they come out when we, when we need them, that our lives are intertwined and overlapping. And then one last thing, right, which is like kind of, it's like in the middle, imagine, assuming, right, that we, <laughs> that we live in that kind of space, right, like that, that, that we do love the Lord with all our hearts, so that we are loving our neighbours, that we are growing in that. I would say to you guys then, isn't there something about that phrase that seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that's also, that's also freeing, right? It's also just, well, we have to make a decision. We're going to make a decision that seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit in the moment. Like just, like it seems good, it seems. If it's not, maybe he'll show us if it's not. But there's a boldness to just, I don't know, we have to do something. So there's this, there's this tendency towards action, action informed, obviously, by God. Bernard spoke about it the other week. Uh, he used this phrase, and he said, like, what's a, what does a prayer-activated church look like? Not just a praying church, right? Not just praying by itself, not just an active church, but a prayer-activated church. Like a church that's seeking God and then active in it, in, in just in doing what we've been asked to do and going for it. You know, the other week, um, there was someone, someone in church, and after it, they were talking to me, and uh, they'd had just like this profound, this like deep, profound, they're in tears, this profound encounter with God during worship and they said someone came over and hugged them hugged them during worship and it revealed something that they were going through anyway the timing of it in the lord this moment was like orchestrated for them right it was like a profound moment for them and i missed who it was in the beginning or i would have been more proud but it was penny who went over and hugged them right the little girl she's 11 years old you don't know her and uh after i asked penny i'm like why did you go over and why did you go over and hug that person during worship and she like i looked and saw they were upset I said, then I asked the Lord, should I go over and hug them? And then I did, right? And just, and then I was expecting like to hear back, the Lord said to you, you should. So I was like, you know, when we asked the Lord, what did he say? She goes, she, he didn't say anything, so I just went, <laughs> right? But it's informed, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit, right? We'd be waiting, could have been paralyzed by fear, waiting for some moment where God says, it. And, well, instead he's saying, I've made you, I know you, you know my heart, you know how, I, if I was Jesus, you know if I was Jesus, I would be moved towards that person right now. Well, she knows that God just caused her to just go and do it. I'd spend, I don't know, like two days writing a sermon that week, and it wasn't the sermon that spoke to, to the person, it was Penny going over and hugging her in that, in that moment. Just, just, just do it, guys. It's like, yeah, there's spaces we need to get into where we're, we're more committed, that we can be confident in that. I'm not talking about being flippant in things either, right? But if you know the Lord's heart is on something, just do it. Just, just go for it. It's freeing. It seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can do something with that moment that's more profound than, than we, could even, we could even imagine. We break through moments, yeah? Look for them. Look for them when you're work. Look for them with your spouse. Look for them with the, your brothers and sisters who you're doing life with. Look for those spaces to just move towards them in a way that God would lead. And the last thing that, that happens at the end of it, they... Uh, they share this with the believers. They go back to Antioch. They share it with them. And then after the two lads who went with them, it's Judas and uh, Silas, is it? It says they were prophets. And you see the Holy Spirit just confirming with encouraging words that come in the moment. That gift of the Holy Spirit. That's evident in those brothers being there are with them and they encourage, they encourage the believers. Where do we land? Um, we land, I suppose, like we always do by saying, come Holy Spirit. We're saying, like in the things that we've talked about today, if there was conviction of the Holy Spirit to be like, I want you, I want you deeper in community. I don't want you keeping your story to yourself. 
I want you to share. I want you to be committed to other people. I want you to, I want you to grow in your understanding. You know, I was talking about that perspective of like the awe of God. You know, like I haven't been in that space in a while. I want you to pursue that. Whatever that is that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I'll just say to you, go after it. If it seems good to you and to the Holy Spirit, like, like do it. Activate it. Go after it. Would you stand with me and I'll, I'll close this in prayer. So we do say, Holy Spirit, come. And we do say that, Lord God, I don't just trust on the words of man or, um, you know, just lessons from the lives of people, but we trust in the power of your word to do what it says. Just your word is such a compelling picture of who we are as your beloved people, as your ambassadors, Lord God. And I pray that the fullness of that will begin to permeate our lives, Lord. That piece by piece, by the leading of your Holy Spirit, coming with grace, inspired by testimonies, informed by scripture, Lord God. Immersed in community together that makes it possible. Empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Would you make us more like your son, even today, even in this moment, Lord God. Would you reveal to hearts now, Lord, where you are present, what, the, what it looks like to serve in the next level of, of obedience. Um, and would we be graced? It all comes from you, Lord God. It's all grace. Would we be graced with the capacity to even do it? That we don't just drum it up ourselves, but by your grace, you would cause us to be who you want us to be, by your grace. That we would step into the fullness of what Jesus has won for us. You didn't hold back anything, Lord. You gave even your son. Obedient to even death for us, Lord God. You've held nothing back, Lord God. Your plans for us are huge. Your heart towards us are huge. Don't let us be blind to what it is that you have, Lord, but with the eyes of our hearts be opened to understand and know the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God. And we would step into it, Lord God. Be immersed in it. Be all in it, Lord. And I pray over us, Lord God, that uh, as a church, as a body, you would help us to be able to discern the days we live in, Lord God. In wars, Lord, in economies, in, in, in all sorts of stuff going on, all the societal problems, Lord God, that together you would help us discern what's, what's right in you, Lord God, and to walk together, to be informed, to not be tossed to and fro, to not be intimidated by the world, to not be just scared of what's happening out there, but that we would, we would walk together, Lord, in unity and discernment of how, how, what it means to live in these times. And over individual lives, Lord, who have big decisions to make, Lord. We're here in this space and uh, need to make a decision in some way, shape, or form, Lord. I pray that they would know what it looks like to be able to make decisions that say they seem good to us and to the Holy Spirit, Lord God. That you will give them the next step in doing that. And then I pray for an awareness that we leave this space, Lord, to just go and give the hug, like, like Penny did, to just do what we know you have called us to do, Lord. I know you're empowering in that, Lord. So I bless your people, Lord God. We seal up everything that's been said this morning through the songs, through the leading of the meeting, Lord God, through your word and through our time together. And pray you will continue to talk in our time together, Lord. Um, we ask, Lord God, that no seed that you want to, to, to form fruit, Lord, would just fall to the ground and be washed away, Lord. But, but it, would, it would produce, Lord, and yield, Lord, 20-fold, 100-fold, 1,000-fold, Lord, for your glory, Lord. We seal it up, Lord God, to speak against and the voices that come in after we leave this space in the world, Lord, that will tell us something different, Lord. I pray that you said that your sheep know your voice. And I pray that we would know your voice, Lord, day after day, leading us from one degree of glory to another until we go to be with you. So I bless your people. I say that the Lord is going to bless you and he'll keep you. And he'll cause his face to shine upon you. And he's gracious to you. 
and he'll lift up his countenance upon you and he'll give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.